episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Ben Brisbane. My name is Zach Kroll. I am your host of the show, and this is the show where we will be talking all things college basketball from now until the end of the final for the road. And there, in Atlanta, and the college basketball season already is a little bit more than a month deep, but this is going to be the first weekend without. statement for you guys that I wanted to say off the top of the show and there was a game on Wednesday night in Gainesville Florida the UConn Huskies at the time they were ranked number five I think they're better than that they went into Gainesville and beat the Florida Gators 75 to 54 the game wasn't particularly close UConn they got off to a big lead early and were able to go from there and never really sweat They dominated the game, and that is one thing with UConn so far this season that has been really consistent with their team, right? If you look at their resume, they have wins over Oregon, over Alabama, over Iowa State, over Oklahoma State, and now over Florida. And the one thing about these wins that they all have in common is that none of them have really been particularly close, and that is why Dan Hurley and his Huskies deserve all the credit for the start of their season. And I think right now the Yukon Huskies have a legitimate reasonable argument as the number one best team in all of college basketball. And I totally understand Purdue Zach Eady has been dominant so far this season. He right now by far and away after only one month of play, still plenty of time to go. But right now Zach Eady is the clear cut favorite, the front runner for the national player of the year in college basketball. They also have two freshman guards that have been getting the job done. Mason Gillis has been banged up, but Caleb first has stepped in for him right away, and Purdue hasn't missed a beat. The Boilers have a blowout victory over Duke. They beat Gonzaga. They beat Marquette. But I look at Purdue compared to UConn, and I'm not exactly sure how much better Purdue could get. And I just think UConn has played more games against better opponents and have just dominated each and every one. There hasn't really been a moment so far this season when I've watched the UConn Huskies play and thought to myself, oh, they're in trouble. And keep in mind, the schedule has been a gauntlet. I know they haven't faced one great elite team yet per se, but Alabama, in my opinion, they're a top 15, top 12 team in the country. We know how good Iowa State is, Oklahoma State. They're going to be competing for a tournament bid. So is Florida and UConn. Again, it's not only just the fact that they're winning, but it's the fact that they're dominating and the games really aren't particularly close. And I like Houston, right? We're going to see them in action against Alabama this weekend, one of the teams that UConn beat. And I know the Cougars are really going to have some payback on their mind for the Crimson Tide, considering what happened last year when the Cougars lost at Tuscaloosa, Texas, they were a team that would have been in this conversation, but they lost for the first time on Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden at the Jimmy V Classic. So 
they have some things they're going to have to work on. And I look at this UConn team. There is not a squad in college basketball with a better, more dangerous duo of big men than Adama Sanogo and Donovan Klingon. And Klingon has been really impressive. We knew going into the season about Sanogo and just how good he was. He is the preseason Big East player of the year, and he's been living up to the hype so far. In in the Florida game, he finishes with 17 points, seven rebounds, one assist. And in UConn's previous game before that against Oklahoma State, Sanogo finished with 20 points, six rebounds, uh, 50% from the field in that one. So Sanogo, he's been really good. The other guy, though, along with the two bigs, is Jordan Hawkins. He finished with 15 points in this game. And you saw last year at times flashes from Hawkins. And it's also important to realize here that Hawkins came off the bench last year with guys uh, like Tyler Polly, Tyrese Martin, RJ Cole, uh, Isaiah Whaley. Those guys were all in the mix for the UConn Huskies last year, which didn't really give Hawkins a major opportunity to show everyone just how good and just how special of a player he really is. But he's starting to do that this season. He finishes with 15 points, 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. Not even one of his better games of the season, and he still scored 15 points. I also really like the additions of Alex Caraban and Joey Calcaterra. Calcaterra was clutch for the Huskies in this game. He finishes with 11 points off the bench and also off the bench. Donovan Klingon, he finishes with 16 and 8. And this kid was ranked in the top 50 of his recruiting class, so he was a good prospect. But I am not sure if there was anyone who reasonably thought this kid Klingon would be able to come into UConn right away and make the impact that he's been making so far. And he's just a big body down low. He blocks a lot of shots. If you give him the ball near the rim, he's more than likely going to come through. Keep in mind, this kid also was the MVP, the most valuable player of the PK-85. And when you consider just how many good teams and just how many good players were also included in that event. It's crazy that it was Klingon that got the job done. And in that finals, the championship game for UConn against Iowa State, Klingon finished with 18 po- in 18 minutes. He finishes with 15 points and 10 rebounds against Florida in just 19 minutes of play. He finishes with 16 points and eight rebounds. So the point I'm trying to make is if Donovan Klingon was on any other team, he would be the starting big man, and he would probably be producing at a much more rapid pace opposed to now, because as good as Sonogo is, UConn has another big man off their bench that could give them at least similar production, which is just crazy considering Klingon is a freshman. Sonogo, he's been in college for a few years now. He's very experienced. He's used to the game, and UConn has options uh, starting and off the bench at their big man position and Danny Hurley. I just love the way this UConn team is built. Keep in mind, this is a Husky team that has not won an NCAA tournament game since 2016. And I think the program did get a little bit of a revival starting a few years ago when they decided to leave the American athletic conference to return back to the big East. It is going to be absolutely electric. So uh, in March, when the UConn Huskies head to Madison Square Garden uh, to play in the Big East tournament. UConn fans like to label MSG as their quote-unquote second home because their fans take the building over. And historically, that has been a building where UConn has had a ton of success as a team. And going into 
this March when the Huskies are playing great basketball, they look like one of, if not the best team in the country right now, that building is going to be absolutely insane for the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. And from a big picture perspective, aside from UConn, the Big East as a conference really has not gotten off to the start a lot of people hope for. Uh, you have UConn at the top, but Creighton, they lost to Nebraska. They've already lost a few times. That is not what a lot of people expected for the clear-cut favorite in the Big East going into this season. Xavier has been about what we expected, I believe. Obviously, no one thought their defense would be this bad, but they're winning some games. St. John's, they've gotten off to a solid start, even though they've played a pretty weak non-conference schedule. You're going to want to see them in bigger games against better opponents. But then you have teams like Villanova, who I understand they didn't have Cam Whitmore in the beginning of the season, but they really struggled to start. You have Seton Hall, who's really disappointed to start. Providence has really disappointed to start. These were teams that a lot of people were labeling as possible NCAA tournament teams. And so far, they're, they've not gotten off to a great start and they have to do more. But it does help a league like the Big East when you do have one clear dominant team that everyone is chasing to beat, that everyone is going to give their best effort against when they play each other. And that is why I would put UConn into that category. So as bad of a start as it's been for the Big East, having one great team, and I don't want to say UConn came out of nowhere. I did have them ranked in that 15 to 20 range entering the season, but the parts of this roster just fit together way better than anyone expected. And we're seeing the leap from Jordan Hawkins. We're seeing Sonogo continuing to give them consistent production down low. I also really like Andre Jackson. He's the kind of player where any coach would like to have him on their team. He finishes with eight points, eight rebounds, and four assists in this game against Florida. You also like Alex Caraban, the freshman, who even though he's a younger player, he affects winning in a big way. He has scored in double figures in six out of UConn's nine games so far this season for a freshman to do that coming into an environment like this uh, with one of the best teams in the country. That's really impressive. And again, you look at the Husky schedule. It's They haven't faced the best competition, right? As a matter of fact, this was UConn's first true road game. This game against Florida was so a lot of people were wondering if UConn would be able to keep up their dominance in this environment. Alabama is the best team they faced, who is not an elite team. They're a very good team. But UConn, it's not the fact that they're just beating everyone on their schedule. It's the fact that they're completely dominating them. And there hasn't been a minute in any of the games where you think to yourself, wow, this UConn team might be in trouble. And in my opinion, that's just the sign of a really good team. When you're able to leave no doubts uh, in your victory, and just say straight up, like, we're the better team and there's nothing you could do about it. That's what great teams do. And Dan Hurley, he's done a really nice job since he got to UConn, getting this program back to relevancy, considering where it was in the post-Kevin Ali era when he first got there. But I do understand why last season, UConn fans, they started to get a little frustrated just because it was the second year in a row UConn had made the NCAA tournament and lost in the first round. And for a program that is just so hungry, a, a program and their fan base that is just so hungry to win in the worst way possible, it is disappointing when you're getting to the NCAA tournament as the higher seed both times and lose. They lost to Maryland two years ago as the number seven seed going up against the number 10 seed Terps. They lose that game. 
Mark Turgeon versus Dan Hurley. Looking back, you're wondering how did Maryland and Mark Turgeon end up winning that game? But basketball is just a weird sport. And then last year, UConn as a number five seed, they lose to Chris Jans and New Mexico State in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. And that was that was just an ugly game for the Huskies. They couldn't score. New Mexico State really was the better team from start to finish. And everyone was talking about Creighton in the Big East going into this season, considering they returned basically their whole starting five from last year, a team that beat UConn both times they faced, a team that advanced further in the NCAA tournament than UConn. That kind of left the Huskies for dead in a lot of people's minds. And they were even voted third place in the Big East in the preseason poll behind Xavier. So there were some doubts about this UConn Husky team. Uh, This is a team that really has been trying to break through and go on a deep run in the NCAA tournament over the last few seasons. But unfortunately, they haven't been able to get the job done. But now this finally looks like it could be the year. I just love the way this roster fits together with a good point guard in Tristan Newton. You surround him with solid shooting, Hawkins, and Caravan. You also have Andre Jackson, good dynamic athletic player that can make all the plays. So no go down low. You then have a shooter in Calcaterra coming off the bench. You have a really dominant big man in Klingon coming off the bench. And Dan Hurley's team has all the pieces you would want from a really good legitimate national championship contender. And that is exactly what I'm labeling the Huskies as right now. They will take on LIU at home on Saturday. And then UConn will open up Big East play the following Saturday, December 17th, when they go on the road to Butler to take on the Bulldogs. I actually do think that Mata's squad is a little bit better than most people realize right now. UConn will then host Georgetown and Villanova uh, to kick off Big East play. And just so you guys know, the two UConn-Creighton games, those are going to be just absolutely monstrous games in the Big East. UConn will host Creighton on January 7th, and then the series will return the favor home and home. So Creighton will host UConn in Omaha on Saturday, February 11th. Both those games are going to be absolutely massive. But right now, you have to say definitively, UConn is the clear-cut best team in the Big East. And right now, I'm not sure if there's anyone that can stop them. Shout out to Danny Hurley in his fifth year on the job in stores, Connecticut. It's looking like he's got a team that is on the rise, a team that could do serious, serious damage in the month month of March. And right now, I understand Houston's really good. I understand Purdue is really good. But if you ask me, Zach, who would you vote for in terms of the best team in all of college basketball? I would have to give it to the Huskies and Dan Hurley just because their start has been utterly dominant. If you ask me, Zach, what is the one weakness you see with this UConn team? I'm honestly not even sure if I could give you one clear weakness because they've just been that good to start off the season. And I would vote them as the number one team in college basketball right now between Hawkins, you have an NBA player, so no go. Newton, everyone off the bench still fits really nicely. And the scary thing for UConn is they do have another player in Samson Johnson who is still recovering from a foot injury. The hope is he's going to be back sooner rather than later. He was questionable for Wednesday's game. He didn't end up playing. But this is a former top 100 recruit that arguably was going to be a starter for this UConn Husky team. That really just shows you how good and how deep this Husky squad is right now under Dan Hurley. And they are just going to be a tough, tough team to compete with. Shout out to the Huskies. Shout out to Dan Hurley. Watch out.
Welcome back to the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. Before we get back started with the show, I just wanted to say one thing. We want to thank our presenting sponsor and the sponsor of all things, Aaron Torres Media, Betfred Sportsbook. Betfred is one of Europe's biggest sports books with over 1,600 shops in the UK. And recently, they've come to the US and have made a splash in a big way. They're, they are the official betting partner of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, and now the Cincinnati Bengals. More importantly, they're the perfect partner for us here at the College Hoops Daily Podcast because they do more for their customers than anyone out there. Betfred has VIP tailgates at Broncos games, the Betfred suite at Bengals games, and no one gives out more free bonuses than Betfred. As a matter of fact, we have a special offer for our listeners and first-time users. Bet $50 on any college hoops game and get $250 back courtesy of free in, in free bets courtesy of Betfred Sportsbook. To learn more, visit BetfredSportsbook.com. Now, even though over the past few nights, UConn, them going into Florida and just dominating the Gators, that was probably the most noticeable result. But there are a few other results I wanted to hit on from last night. In the Big Ten, especially. We'll start off number 25, Ohio State. They somehow, some way, get a crazy win on a Tanner Holden buzzer beater to beat Rutgers 67 to 66. And this was crazy because Rutgers, they had the lead with a few seconds left. They're up two. They're shooting free throws to go up one, or to, that would put them up by three, excuse me. Caleb McConnell, who's really known as one of the better defensive players in not only the Big Ten, but all of college basketball. His offense is improving. It's getting better. He can make a shot here and there. He goes one for two from the free throw line. And all of a sudden, Ohio State, they're getting the ball down the court. Uh, Sean McNeil is double teamed with the ball in his hands. And Tanner Holden, who originally was out of bounds, he, he originally ran out of bounds. He comes back in bounds. The refs miss the call. Now, the rule is... If you do that, if you're out of bounds blatantly and no one forces you out of bounds, you have you cannot be the first one to touch the basketball coming out uh, of the play. So Bruce Thornton actually was. He passes Holden, but Holden should not have been eligible to catch the ball because he was out of bounds and Rutgers clearly lost him going out of bounds, but he swishes the game-winning shot a couple feet behind the three-point line and Ohio State gets the win over Rutgers the thing that this game told me is just like most other years in the past but I think specifically this season these conference games in the Big Ten are just going to be an absolute war and anyone could win at any time that's just a heartbreaking loss for Rutgers considering they started their Big Ten season going on the road to Bloomington Indiana and beating the or excuse me that game was at the rack in Rutgers excuse me getting my all my Big Ten red teams mixed up uh Nebraska actually went to Indiana the other day but Rutgers they beat the team from Bloomington Indiana at home to start off their Big Ten slate and they easily could have gone 2-0 if they could have just held on in this ball game against Ohio State but unfortunately the Scarlet Knights were not able to do that for Ohio State in this game. Holden, he hits the game winner. He finishes with only three points. That was his only basket of the game. And the starters for Ohio State, they really played the majority of the minutes in this one. You had Zed Key. He finishes with 22 points. Bryce Sensabaugh, he finishes with 13. Bruce Thornton finishes with 10 points. It's really good to see that the freshmen for, for, Ohio, for Ohio State, they're really getting 
the job done here. Isaac Likely, he did not play in this game due to personal reasons. So Bruce Thornton, he finishes with 10 points in 39 minutes. You also have Bryce Sensabaugh. There is some NBA one-and-done chatter about him. He is that good. Uh, just after Ohio State loses EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham to the NBA draft last year, Chris Holtman just continues to produce these elite players through Columbus. So Ohio State, their starters really played the majority of the minutes in this one for Rutgers. Cliff Amorie, he finishes with 16 points, eight rebounds, and uh, four, or uh, looking for the exact number here, but he had a, a, yeah, f- or two shots blocked, excuse me, including one that uh, looked like it could have gave Rutgers the win. He uh, Really good defensive possession by Rutgers. Ohio State was up two. Cliff blocks the shot, and unfortunately, they just couldn't capitalize at the free throw line. Just heartbreaking loss for Steve Peichel's squad and the Scarlet Knights. Actually, their next two games, they will both be at home hosting Seton Hall and hosting Wake Forest. Steve Forbes and the boys over there in Winston-Salem, they continue to be really impressive and win games that not a lot of people expect. They actually went into Madison, Wisconsin, during the Big Ten ACC Challenge and were able to pull off a really nice, impressive victory over the Badgers. So a really big next two games for Rutgers. But if Ohio State gets Isaac Likely back, again, he missed the game yesterday with personal reasons. We're not going to speculate on when he's going to be back. So Ohio State is a little shorthanded right now. But I really like the pieces on this team. When you look at Sensabaugh, when you look at the other freshman, Thornton, Sean McNeil, he only had seven points in this game, but he's going to shoot the ball better Uh, On most other nights, he finished only one of three from three. Justice Suing is back healthy, playing well, which is a really good sign. And also Zed Key, 22 points and 14 rebounds. He was the best player on the floor for the Ohio State Buckeyes yesterday, the junior big man. So good to see him adding himself in terms of the names of the very talented big men in not only the Big Ten, but of college basketball. Zed Key and Cliff Morier last night. That was a big time heavyweight matchup down low. The other matchup in the Big Ten, I wanted to give a shout-out to the Iowa Hawkeyes. They hosted the Iowa State Cyclones in a rivalry game. Iowa State was actually the team that entered this game ranked number 20th, not Iowa. The last time we saw Iowa, it was only 48 hours ago when they really got ran off the floor and handled in a dominant manner by Duke. And I'll say this about Iowa, right? This is a really impressive win, considering they were without their leading scorer and really clearly their best player, Chris Murray. Iowa did not have his services for this game. And from the beginning, they just dominated Iowa State. The Cyclone or the Hawkeyes were up 10-0 over the Cyclones to start this game. They were also up 20-2 at one point in this game. Iowa was dominating the Cyclones. And really, they never came close. The the Hawkeyes were up 40 to 20 at the half. And Iowa ends up getting the win 75 to 56. I was leading score in this game. Philip Bracha, how about this? 37 minutes played, 22 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. Probably the best game we've seen in an Iowa uniform for the veteran Philip Bracha. He's a transfer as well. So he's been waiting a while to have this good of a game on this big of a stage. The rivalry game, these two schools, they really don't like each other. So a solid performance from Rebracha. You also had the McCaffrey brothers finishing with a combined 27 points. And I'll give another shout out to Fran McCaffrey. I spoke a little bit about this with our guy, Aaron Torres, when he joined us on Wednesday's show. But our opinions of Fran McCaffrey have really changed for the better over the course of the last few years. I was really impressed last year. 
he loses Luca Garza and Iowa doesn't really miss a beat. It's almost like they got better. They also lose Joe Wieskamp as well, who's an NBA player. And Iowa still was right back in the tournament last year. They ended up winning the Big Ten tournament a season ago, which was a great accomplishment. And this year's team, even without Keegan Murray, they've gotten off to a really nice start behind his brother, Chris Murray. He's a heck of a player. The crazy thing for Iowa is probably their most capable shooter, Peyton Sanford, who played a little bit last year here and there, but he was really expected to have a big role with this year's team. He's just someone that hasn't really gotten going yet. He struggled with some injuries in the early part of the season, but he only finishes with six points in 16 minutes last night against Iowa State. He had only four points in 14 minutes against Duke. And in terms of his three-point shooting, it hasn't been great. He He's one for his last seven and two for his last 12. If you go back and look at Iowa's last three games, that is one guy they really need to get going in the worst way. But once they do, there are plenty of shooting cold streaks that go around all the time. Shooters are just going to – they're going to eventually catch their fire. But hopefully the you think that the shooter doesn't lose all of his confidence in a situation like this, and I'm hoping that's the case with Sanford. But a really impressive win by Iowa. I don't chalk much out of this game from Iowa State. They were really due for a bad performance. Are they really the number 20th ranked team in college basketball? Probably not. I would say that's a little high. But at the end of the day, Iowa State is a very well-coached team under TJ Otzelberger. They have made some really nice transfer additions from the portal after losing Tyrese Hunter and losing actually one of their transfers, Jeremiah Williams from Temple. He was really projected to be their starting point guard going into the season. He is no longer in play. He was injured in the preseason, lost for the season with an Achilles injury. So, Iowa State is expecting a lot out of their freshman guard, Lipsy. He's been a little bit up and down, finished with 11 points in 33 minutes last night. Gabe Kalsher, Jaron Holmes, Caleb Grill, Oshuni He like this is a very experienced team, and I think they will be right there in the Big 12. TJ Otzelberger, he's established himself as a really good coach, and I'm not going to just take one bad performance from Iowa State and give up on them. I still think they will be a factor in the Big 12. 12. And in terms of the results last night, not a ton else. Michigan, they had probably their most impressive effort of the season, beating Minnesota 90 to 75. I think it's clear to say right now, Minnesota is the worst team in the Big Ten. And I know they have some injury concerns, right? Jamison Battle, he just got back healthy. He's not 100% just yet. Him and Dawson Garcia, a guy who missed a lot of basketball last year, are really the two top-notch contributors on this Minnesota team. But Ben Johnson, after surprising some people and winning some games not many people expected in year one, Minnesota's looking a little bit like the team we expected last year to see. They're looking like that this year. They started off their season 4-5. and five. They've lost four games in a row to UNLV, Virginia Tech, Purdue, and Michigan. They will be in action on Sunday night. Interesting game. They'll be hosting Ben, or not Ben Howen. He, he, a good thing he's at the door. Chris Jans and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Jans has done a great job in his first year in Starkville. They defend their tails off each and every game. One of the better defenses in the country. They should dominate Minnesota, but in Minnesota at the barn, that game, it, it's, it's important for both teams. And if Ben Johnson really wants to gain his team's confidence, that is going to be a game Minnesota has to win. But that's going to do it for this segment, going down some of the results from last night's game. There isn't even a ton of great college basketball action tonight with Washington taking on Gonzaga. That's about it. 
But we are going to get into games to watch this weekend, Saturday. The first Saturday of a loaded college basketball season. Now that college football season's over, yeah, we have a loaded slate to break down. We're going to do that next here on the College Hoops Daily Podcast. Moving on to the last and final segment of this Friday episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. There are a handful of games this weekend that I wanted to touch on quickly that I'm looking forward to. Again, I said it to end last segment. The only real noticeable game on Friday night is between Washington and Gonzaga. The Bulldogs right now ranked number 18 in the AP poll. Washington, they're sitting off, sitting here right now at 7-2. and two. They did just have a big home victory on Sunday against Colorado, but the Thursday prior to that, they had an embarrassing loss on really a bad call by a referee on an and one against Oregon State. Washington also won the wooden legacy against St. Mary's in the championship game, which was a solid win. They beat Fresno State. They did also lose to Cal Baptist. This is a big year for Mike Hopkins. Hopefully uh, trying to get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2019. It has now been a few years since he's gotten there and led that group that ended up uh, almost making the NCAA tournament his first year with Matisse Theibel, Noah Dickerson, David Crisp, guys like that. Unfortunately, that is a long time away right now if you're the Washington Huskies. Keon Brooks, the Kentucky transfer, he's really their top go-to scorer right now. But Gonzaga, I don't think they'll have any trouble with Washington. On Saturday, we will have number nine, Arkansas, going on the road to Oklahoma to take on the Sooners. I actually was somewhat impressed with Oklahoma, even though they lost against Villanova. That game was a tough spot considering Cam Whitmore had just come back for Villanova and the Wildcats really needed that game. But this is a a game that was played last year when, again, Arkansas last year, they were a really good team. I know they didn't start off great, but they ended up going to the Elite Eight. And in this series last year, Oklahoma dominated them. Uh, I'm going to be curious to see what Arkansas looks like following the loss of forward Trevon Brazil out for the season with the torn ACL, which is just really a brutal, brutal loss for this Arkansas team. Arkansas was a team that had a real chance to say, and this would be the only team in the country that could say this, we could play five NBA players on the floor at one time with Nick Smith and Jordan Walsh and Anthony Black and Ricky Council. And Brazil was the last remaining member of that group. Unfortunately, he is now done for the season with the torn ACL. And this is part of the reason why Eric Musselman, Arkansas's coach, really focused on building that front court depth uh, prior to the season, bringing in the Mitchell twins from the transfer portal, bringing in Jalen Graham along with Brazil, just because Arkansas last year, that was one weakness they really had. They really were just lacking that front court depth. And now without Brazil, we're really going to see why Coach Muss brought in all these bodies and that's now going to be a major opportunity for either Graham or the one of the Mitchell twins to really step up for Arkansas looking forward to that one between Oklahoma and Arkansas another big time game we will have on Saturday afternoon the first major test for the number one ranked team in the country that's the Houston Cougars they will be hosting number eight Alabama and if you remember this game last year it was phenomenal Houston went on the road to Tuscaloosa. It was a great game, came down to the wire in the end, but Alabama escaped with a narrow one-point victory. And now Houston, they're going to be the home team in this one. They're sitting here as the number one ranked team in the country at 9-0. and And they are a deserving number one team, right? Kelvin Sampson has turned this Houston program into a machine. 
But this is really going to be the first major test for the Cougars. We did see them go on the road to Oregon on November 20th, and they dominated that game. They won by 10. It wasn't really close. It, it felt that this, the final score really doesn't give it Houston their proper justice. The game was much further away than 10. It really felt like 15 or 20 for the majority of that game. And uh, Houston also beat St. Mary's on a neutral four last week at Dickey's Arena by five. I actually think Alabama is going to be really competitive in this game. Brandon Miller, he has a legitimate argument as the best freshman in all of college basketball right now. You also have Javon Quinterly. He's back healthy. And as more time goes on, the more healthier he's going to be. I also really like Noah Clowney, young freshman forward they have. Charles Bediaco, he's really improved, making that freshman to sophomore leap. And I still trust Nate Oates. I think people forget just how good of a coach this guy is. And I totally understand that Alabama last season, they were pretty disappointing relative to the expectations. The year before, Alabama is on top of the college basketball world, winning the SEC regular season and tournament title, going to the Sweet 16, losing in heartbreaking fashion to UCLA. But I think at that point, a lot of people really did label Alabama as that program on the rise. And last year, it's not like it was a terrible year. They still ended up making the NCAA tournament. They were still a top half of the SEC team. But I think now is really what everyone was expecting to see last year with Alabama. I think they're a legitimate top 10, top 15 team. And I think they're going to be really competitive with Houston on Saturday. I can't wait for that one. And if Houston just dominates Alabama, even though I did say UConn right now would be the team I rank number one in college basketball right now, I wouldn't be able to argue with Houston. I just want to see Houston play against an elite team. Oregon is really good, but even for their standards, like this doesn't look like a great Oregon team compared to some of the other great Oregon teams that Dana Altman has had in the past. St. Mary's is really good, but they lost a lot from last year's team. We don't even know if they are an NCAA tournament team right now either. So this is really going to be the first major test for Houston. Really looking forward to that one. Also on Saturday, we have a big game in a rivalry game. Two teams that did play last year, but prior to last year, it was the first time they played in a really long time. You know it. I'm talking about the border war between number six ranked Kansas and the undefeated Missouri Tigers. And there is going to be some extra animosity in this game because there were rumors going around that these two teams were supposed to play in a bowl game in college football. And since Missouri left the Big 12 for the SEC, there have been a ton of rumblings. You know, Kansas didn't want to play Missouri anymore. They left the Big 12. And we finally got this game again last year in Fog Allen. That was a mismatch. Missouri was one of the worst teams in the SEC last season by a significant margin. But all of a sudden, Dennis Gates in his first year, the former Cleveland State head coach, he's come in right away. And immediately, Missouri is at least relevant. They're sitting at 9-0. This is going to be the first major test for them, but they did go on the road to Wichita State and win a close game. Besides that, though, they really have not played anyone. Missouri has played probably the weakest schedule I've seen so far out of any non-Power 6 team, but I think they're going to be competitive in this game. Kansas is really good. Jalen Wilson has a legitimate case right now, I would say, behind Zach Eady. He's been the best player I've seen in college basketball so far this season. But Kansas, we saw them get blown out against Tennessee in the battle for Atlantis. This is also a team that lost a ton of production from last year's national title squad 
in Oshai Abaji, in Christian Braun, in David McCormick, in Remy Martin. And if Kansas shows me they're able of going on the road and beating a very good Missouri team, like I know their record is 9-0 and they haven't really beaten anyone aside from Wichita State, but I think this Missouri team is significantly improved compared to the Missouri team we saw last year under uh, Conzo Martin, and they have let him go since, again, bringing in former Cleveland State head coach Dennis Gates. But Missouri has a ton of options. They could really score the basketball uh, between Kobe Brown, one of the more underrated players in the SEC. He is one of Missouri's leading scorers so far this season, averaging 14.3 points per game. And how about this? Cleveland State transferred Demoy Hodge, a guy who came with Dennis Gates from Cleveland State, he has been Missouri's leading scorer so far this season, averaging over 16 points per game. They also have a Northern Iowa transfer, Noah Carter, who's been playing really well, Nick Honor, Clemson transfer, he's playing really well, and Isaiah Mosley, who is really the main transfer portal ad that a lot of people were excited about around the Missouri program. He hasn't even had that ton of a major role with this Missouri team. He's only averaging nine points a game in not a ton of minutes, only 17.7 average minutes per game for Mosley, and still this Missouri team continues to win. I think the atmosphere inside Mizzou Arena for this game on Saturday is going to be absolutely insane. I can't wait. Number six, Kansas, going on the road to Missouri. I'm excited about that one. The other major game we have on Saturday, neutral court game in Vegas, and honestly, of all these games, this is going to be the most even one, the most unpredictable one we have number 10 Arizona facing off against number 14 Indiana the last time we saw the Hoosiers on the floor they played very well against Nebraska Trace Jackson Davis collecting only the third triple double in the history of Indiana basketball but Indiana is not too far removed from their first loss of the season against Rutgers we also saw Arizona take a pretty surprising loss not too long ago against Utah and Arizona looked great in the Maui Invitational for three days, right? We saw them blow out Cincinnati. We saw them blow out San Diego State. We saw them blow out Creighton in the championship game. None of those games were really particularly close, but this is should be a different animal for uh, Arizona going up against Indiana. Hopefully, Jaden Hood-Shafino will be healthy and able to play in this game. But the key to Indiana, it, it always is. Do they have enough production around Trace Jackson Davis because Xavier Johnson, he'll have some games where he's the best player on the floor and he's cooking. He'll have other games where he really doesn't play well. That game against Rutgers could be one that's included into that category because in that game against Rutgers, Xavier Johnson turns the ball over six times. That is just not going to get the job done from your starting point guard. Kirk Risa is another guy you put into that category. He'll have some games where he looks great. He really looked like he took a step forward in the Maui Invitational. You hope that he will be able to keep that going. Umar Balo as well. He's been one of the best stories of this college basketball season, just putting up monstrous numbers, a 30-point game in that Maui Invitational Championship against Creighton, which was really impressive. And this is an Arizona team that lost a lot from last year with Ben Matherin, with Daylon Terry, with Christian Coloco. They lose all those guys, and it doesn't even matter so far. Arizona has looked like one of the better teams in college basketball, and this game is going to be a heck of a watch between Arizona and Indiana. I mean, wow. These two teams arguably have legit arguments for being the best team in their conference. 
the Arizona fans in Vegas, you know they're going to travel. I'm really looking forward to that one between Arizona and Indiana. And then finally, we will end off the segment with the game on Sunday. I'm looking forward to this is actually going to be another another one of those neutral site games in Brooklyn, New York. You have number seven, Tennessee going up against number 13, Maryland. And with Tennessee, it's interesting, right? Because they had a loss the first Sunday of the college basketball season where there weren't a ton of people paying attention. You obviously had the NFL going on, and this was even before Feast Week, and all of those tournaments really got kicked off. Tennessee, they didn't only lose to Colorado, but they got blown out by Colorado. And keep in mind, this was just a few days after the fact that Colorado suffered an embarrassing loss to Grambling State. So on Friday, the 11th of November, Colorado loses to Grambling State, but then a few days later, they blow out Tennessee. The game was won by 12, but it wasn't really that close. Colorado really was up by 15 to 20 points for the majority of the second half in that game. Colorado blows out Tennessee, and after that game, you have Tennessee fans panicking, wondering how good they really are, especially considering the history of this program under Rick Barnes. They have great regular seasons, but always fall apart in the tournament. Is Tennessee really that good? The fans were asking. And since that game against Colorado, Tennessee has just been dominant going uh, in that span 7-0 and and winning each game by double or not by double digits. They beat USC by seven. But every game but one of those games has been won by at least double digits or more. They also beat Kansas by 14 in the championship of the battle for Atlantis, which was really impressive. They beat a solid Butler team that isn't terrible by over 25 points. And this is going to be Tennessee's first major test since that Kansas game, going up against a Maryland team that is actually fresh off their first loss of the season. That came on Tuesday night on the road at Wisconsin. It was a close game. Maryland found themselves down early, but unfortunately just did not have enough firepower to come back. And Kevin Willard has done as good of a job as we've seen from any first-year coach that has taken over a new gig so far this season. And the fact that he had a Maryland team that, I'm not going to lie, was pretty off the radar for a lot of people, right? I don't think there were a ton of people that had any hot takes on Maryland going into the season, right? They weren't going to be as bad as some of the worst teams in the Big Ten, but they weren't going to be good enough to compete for an NCAA tournament bid. But like I've said a lot about some of these new coaches – The key to taking over and having success in your first year, if you are the new coach at one of these big time premier jobs like Maryland, like Alabama, when Nate Oates took over, like Indiana, when Mike Woodson took over, like Seton Hall with Shaheen Holloway, like you have to get your best players to come back if they have a decision between the NBA draft or coming back to school. You're seeing it right now with Mississippi State, right? Chris Jans is doing a great job winning with a lot of Ben Howland's talented players that he left over because he's a good coach and he knows how to win with talent. And that, in, in this case with Kevin Willard, like he is someone that I would really put into that same category as he convinces Julian Reese. He convinces Donta Scott and, and Hakeem Hart to come back to Maryland. And all of a sudden you have a, Maryland has a legit case, in my opinion, to have the most talented starting five in the entire Big Ten. I know they lost their first game of the season to Wisconsin. That is always just a tough place to play. Never easy to win there. Maryland, just a few uh, days earlier, they beat the same Illinois team that went into Madison Square Garden during the Jimmy V Classic and beat Texas. So Maryland, they're a legit team. I think they are a clear top half of the Big Ten team. And if they win this game against Tennessee, 
And that's going to show us even more that this Maryland team is going to have to be one that we take seriously. I was really impressed with their effort against Illinois in their win. And it's interesting because Jameer Scott and Donald Carey, they haven't even shot the ball great so far this season. And still Maryland is finding a way to win games. Both of those guys in their college careers have been relatively good three-point shooters. So it is a fair assumption to think, okay, these guys are only going to get better. And once they do, that is when Maryland is going to be really, really scary and hard to beat. So Maryland, Tennessee, that is the final game I'm really looking forward to this weekend between Kansas and Missouri, between uh, or, yeah, Kansas and Missouri, Arizona and Indiana. Arkansas and Oklahoma, there are just a ton of really good games going on this weekend. I'm really looking forward to, can't wait to watch them. And I also can't wait to be back with you guys on Monday to talk even more college basketball here on the College Hoops Daily Podcast. Everyone have a great weekend and have a good one. I'll talk to you guys soon.